for the quitters. Game quitters. Listen up, quitters. Game quitters. It's the Game Quitters Podcast with Cam Adair and Jason Wellwood. On today's show, special guest Phil McNevin. He went from Nintendo Power connoisseur to successful entrepreneur. And now, he's filling the void. Stepping in for Camadere, Jason Wellwood. Welcome, Game Quitters, to episode 13 of the Game Quitters podcast. Jason Wellwood here with you, filling in for Camadere. He is off and far, far away. He's in Tanzania. Yes, Tanzania, building a clean water well for people who really need it. A big, big thank you to all of you who contributed and helped to send Cam there. Not just this time, but last time, because this is his second trip out there, getting his hands dirty, doing some good work for people who really need it. So we wish Cam the best of luck out there, and we look forward to having him back soon. But in the meantime, we've got an interview lined up for you today on the show. Cam took care of this before taking off. You know, he likes to take care of you guys, so we've got some great content in store. Today on the show, Phil McNevin. Now, he is a good friend of Cam's, and they just kind of riff back and forth in this interview on some really relatable stuff. Now, Phil grew up with games. In fact, he even says in the interview he can't remember a time where he wasn't playing games as a kid. You know, it was just there from such an early age that it defines a lot of his early childhood. And I found I could really relate to that. I think you will too, because a lot of us in this community kind of had that upbringing where games were always there and just always accessible to us. But he really goes through a, a big transition. He goes from being the kind of person who, as a kid, would take a Nintendo Power magazine to school and read the thing cover to cover, just thinking about the moment he could get out of school, run home and play some games. It's all he wanted to do. And to see where he is now in his life as a father, a YouTube content producer, an entrepreneur, and much more, he's really shifted his focus. And you know what? For some of us, And a lot of us, I think, this applies to me even. I can relate to it. We spend so much time growing up trying to learn what it is we want out of life. And sometimes when we're gaming, we're not really getting there. You know, we're not really focusing on what that thing is. And I think even though Phil tells a story and you see that obviously it took him some time to get there. I mean, he was even a game developer. He was going to base his career around games because he loved gaming so much. Just like I've told my story, you know, I spent so much of my younger years gaming and it took me quite a while into my 20s to realize I don't want this anymore. I want to focus on more productive things for my life. If you feel that way, I think you're going to relate to this interview. It's it's never too late. I think that's the thing I want to grasp here is it's never too late to realize that, you know what, maybe this isn't right for me. Maybe I got to change. So, Phil, great story coming up for you. A lot of really good stuff in this interview, and I'm not going to delay it for much longer on that note. I will give you a quick update because I've got something to celebrate with all of you and the great community here at Game Quitters. Uh, This is officially the final week that I'm looking at for the 90-Day Detox, which I took on when we began the podcast. And knowing that next episode... I'm going to be sitting down with all of you celebrating 90 days. It kind of blows my mind a little bit. I feel like I want to leave you with something that I've learned, but 
I also don't want to jump the gun. I want to take this last week to really just realize what this means. And when we celebrate one week from now, the end of this thing, I want it not to be about me. I want it to be about you because the only reason I did this in the first place was because I wanted to show what this podcast, what this community and being a part of this really means to me. I want to, I hope, I sincerely hope that Cam and I give back to you, the listener, in some way. I hope that the insights we give here on the podcast serve you in some way to help you get through the hard times of trying to quit a game addiction, I, I, trying to kick that. It's not easy. And I know when I started this thing, I said, I think it's going to be a breeze for me because I already know I want to quit. But that doesn't mean that I don't recognize it's not that way for everybody. And if it's particularly hard for you, I just want you to know that me going through this myself has taught me that I, I maybe not even taught me, it's just revealed to me the reality of what this is and what game addiction really is. I understand it from a perspective that I didn't understand before. And I don't even think that means I understand all the, you know, details of it, which is why I use the term revealed instead of taught, because I don't know everything there is to know about struggling with a game addiction. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how hard it is for you to go to your job or go to school and have games on your mind to the point that you just feel anxious. I don't understand what it might feel like to feel like the world is caving in on you and doesn't make sense just because you're trying to quit this thing that you want to quit so badly, but it's constantly tugging at you, pulling you back into this black hole. I, I don't know how severe that can get because for me, my story was so much different, but even though I might not be able to feel what you're feeling, and I hope this is making sense, I, I sincerely feel like I understand it better and I see it from a different light. I, I appreciate what you're going through because that's the hardest thing I think about this detox is that people don't appreciate what you're doing. They don't fully understand what it actually feels like for you. They might support you. They might tell you they're happy to hear that you're trying something better for your life, but nobody ever really understands you. You know, they don't ever get to that level that you're at and it can make you feel like you're alone. It can make you feel like no matter what you do, no one will ever understand. And even though people want to support you, or the community wants to support you, you might still feel, despite all of that, like you are alone. That's the scariest part about this. I think that's why a lot of people don't want to do it. Because they know, well, once my games are gone, then what is there? What do I have to face? What I believe that you have to face is a challenge, one that is going to be probably one of the hardest you've faced in your life so far. But I've also learned that living life is exposing yourself to everything life has to offer, the elements of life. It's Think of it like this. We spend our whole lives inside many of us inside temperature-controlled environments, right? In the summertime, when it's blazing hot, you have the air conditioning running. Uh, for some of you, that's all year round. For some of you, you face a cold winter where you have to do the opposite and bring the temperature up 
and heat your environment. But for the most part, you know, when we don't have to face the elements, we're safe. We're in this environment where things are controlled. It's comfortable. We're used to the same temperature, the same comforts every day. But what if we had to live without these luxuries, for example? What if we had to live out in the elements and no matter what happened, you know, the weather gets hot, the weather gets cold, we just got to adapt. What if that was our natural living environment? Think of this like that. Think of how much stronger we would be because we would have no choice but to adapt. We would have to find a way. And for generations and generations before we had temperature controlled environments, AC and heating in our homes and our buildings and our schools, human beings lived that way. They fought the elements, they built shelter, they made fire, they did whatever they could to survive, but they adapted because that's all you could do. Taking on a 90-day detox is stripping yourself down, getting uncomfortable, but adapting and knowing that you'll do anything it takes to survive because when you take on this detox, you're consenting to letting go of comfort because you know that if you do that, you're going to be stronger at the end of this thing. You're going to adapt. The cold, the coldest nights that you feel alone and stranded with this game addiction, they aren't going to bother you anymore because you will adapt. And I believe you can do that. I don't understand the severity of your addiction or what you might be going through, and nobody can. It's the saddest part of this. We can only support each other so much but that support that we give through the game quitters community through your family your friends whoever it might be that is one of the most important things to staying alive surviving adapting and kicking this thing so even though you might feel alone even though we can't understand each other's pain know this you're not the only one out there in the cold trying to adapt and survive there's a whole army of people out there doing just exactly what you're doing. But the main goal at the end of this thing is that we all find that thing we're looking for, whatever it might be, right? A career, family, better friends, better relationships, excitement, adventure, security in your life, whatever it is, whatever it is that is your goal. I hope you meet it. And I'll tell you right now, from doing this and staring down the barrel at the final week of the 90-day detox, I know that I made it. And I know that I realized those goals and now I'm working on them. I wish the same for you. If you're interested in learning more about the 90-day detox, maybe you've just tuned into the podcast for the first time and you're not really quite sure what that is, I encourage you to check out gamequitters.com and see what the hype is all about. Essentially, if you want to quit games and you're struggling with this and you know, you know, because nobody else can tell you this, but you know that gaming is a problem in your life, this is probably the best place to start. And like I've said, I'll say it again, the Game Quitters community on the forums, the YouTube videos that we have available for free for you, all of the resources, everything at your disposal to help you get to that end goal of 90 days, it is completely achievable. So check out GameQuitters.com and find out more about what is a 90-day detox, how you can get involved, and just give yourself that boost if you've been putting this thing off and you've been thinking about it for quite some time. If you want to change your life and live life to the fullest, live an epic life like Cam always says, this might be the thing you need. 
Well, I look forward to next week. Thank you for joining me on the intro. Let's get to the interview with Phil McNevin and Cam Adair. Enjoy! What's up, everyone? Welcome to this episode of the Game Quarters podcast. I'm your host, Cam Adair, here with my friend, Phil McNevin. I kind of did not just say his name properly, but that's all right. <laughs> now, Close who is my buddy, Phil? Here's how I'm going to introduce him. Phil is this mystery man. Phil is a friend of mine who, you know how you just have some of those friends who just seem like they're the most talented, gifted, they're kind of mysterious, but they're they're able to really, they're always doing really cool things. And, and Phil is one of my friends who's like that. Uh, so he's like an online marketer, successful entrepreneur, family man, who's done some really cool things, and he used to be a former gamer. And I know that gaming was actually something that you know, he believes really held him back from realizing his potential. So I'm excited to have him here today. And Phil, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. The mystery man has appeared on the podcast. <laughs> I know some people are just like, what do you do? Anyway. <laughs> I asked Phil that right before we started this. I was like, Phil, how do you introduce yourself? And he went into like, I have 12 employees and I have a business and all these things. And I was like, you know what? He's a mystery man. He's just... It, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's like episode five, we talked with Adam Roa, who's another friend of mine, who is just super talented. And I'm always curious, like, how you get there. Uh, so let's start kind of from the beginning. You were a former gamer. Tell us a bit about your history with gaming. Oh, it goes a long way. Like, I, I feel like I was born a gamer, like, born with a joystick in my hand. Like my gaming days go way back to the uh, the Atari thirty six hundred, I think that's what it's called. I I'm not really good with facts, but um, yeah, it was it was like one of those old Ataris. We had like Pac Man, we had Frogger, we had Asteroids, the original Mario Brothers before Nintendo was a thing, um, and yeah, so it goes back a long way. I've been playing it for a long time. I went through like every single Nintendo system except for the most recent ones. Um, I like lived and breathed games. The moment I came home from school, it was games right pretty much until I went to bed. Even when I went to school, it was like my reading material was Nintendo Power. Like that was my. How quickly can I get home and start gaming again? Yeah. So I, I'd be like. You know, I'd be walking to school or like walking to the bus with my Nintendo Power open. I'd be on the bus, Nintendo Power, reading it, studying the maps of games. And then back home, as soon as I got home, it would be like right in and uh, diving into the levels and just, you know, I'd spend hours. And there's there's times where I would be playing like Super Mario Brothers as fast as I possibly can with the run button nonstop. Uh, see how I can beat the the level without like not not like going through it and getting all the coins and everything, but just like speed rounds. Like that's I just played it so much that I can do those things. All right. How much faster can I do it all? Like how much better can I be at this? So obviously improvement, like measurable growth, was part of why you played games. Why else do you think you were so drawn to them? Um, I think a big part of it was you know I'm I'm a really creative person and. I like my parents joke that I, I constantly go and dissect things like they would come home and I'd completely tear apart their toaster. And I think that was something that I really enjoyed about games was um, 
learning how to master the strategies around it, figure out, you know, how can I best accomplish my goals inside the games. Um, I also, like, as I grew older, figured out how games worked, like the the gaming mechanics behind games, um, how they pulled people in from an addiction standpoint um, so that you can keep playing them and get people to encourage them to to buy your games and that kind of thing. Eventually, I became a game developer at some point. <laughs> um, and just, yeah, just the the creativity and the, the energy and the juices that go into making the games. Like, I would, when I wasn't playing games, when I wasn't reading about games, I was creating art, mm-hmm. art for games. And it was just totally ingrained in me. Um, but the whole aspect of, of score, how do I beat the top score um, at that time there wasn't like online leaderboards so a lot of it was self-improvement like how can i beat my own best scores or the best scores of my friends or my brother or whoever else happened to have the scores on my system at the time so do you feel like was there a negative impact for you from that or it was kind of you were going to school you were gaming in your free time you were gaming a lot but was it having a negative impact um it did um i was kind of one of those people who was naturally really good at things. So in my early days of school, it didn't really impact me a whole lot. Um, it started to impact me a little bit more going into high school because then I couldn't coast as much on my natural talents and abilities. So there was a lot of courses that I took that I just completely tanked because I wasn't doing um, my work. I would spend time gaming and then you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night, the whole 11th hour thing is when I'd actually start opening up my books and trying to cram as much as I could. Um, But where it really impacted me um, was when I started hitting the workforce. So um, I knew that I had a lot of talent. I knew people, I I knew that there was something that inside of me that wanted to be greater. Um, And I started studying at a really young age, Tony Robbins. Um, I think I started getting the first course from Tony Robbins when I was 17. And um, that kind of helped open me up to this world of um, living not just a great life, but an outstanding life, like head and shoulders above everybody else in terms of effort. And I have to be super intentional about that. And my my mind opened up. Um, but my actions didn't really follow suit. So like I ended up working with one of the top internet marketing um, geniuses in the world, Evan Pagan. And he's he's a brilliant guy. He has a lot of reach. Um, during this period of time, I had been studying a lot about entrepreneurship. I really wanted to start my own business or I really wanted to do really well in his business. There's some really interesting things that came out of gaming because because I wanted to play games and I wanted to spend time playing games, I figured out systems to allow me to work less. So how can I achieve more by doing less, but instead of taking that time to actually work on myself and work on my career and how do I actually build the things that I want to build, I used that energy to reduce my workload so that I can play more games. Right. And games weren't really giving you much back other than they were entertaining, you know, you were engaged, they were immersive, you know, you were able to see your score increase and all that, but they weren't really giving you any return on the investment of all your time and energy. Yeah, it wasn't really giving me much. And if anything, it was just, I was becoming so addicted that anytime I finished a game 
or a lot of times I didn't even finish the games. I would just, I'd see a game that I wanted to play and I'd buy it and I would just be spending so much money buying game after game after game. And a lot of cases it was just, it almost became an addiction in a sense of just buying the game. I got a reward from, so I would buy the game. I would play it for a couple of minutes, figure out how I can work as least as less as possible so I can get back into the games and then I get distracted from the game I was playing into another game and then I'd buy it um, so sometimes I'd dive deep but sometimes it would just be a matter of, of and, and there was a period of time where I was probably spending hundreds or thousands of dollars a month even like just buying and trying games right the thing I want kind of everyone to, to know this today from Phil's story which is awesome is there's everyone has a varying degree of how gaming impacts them. And I think sometimes it's easy to get caught up in like, oh, well, if gaming's not having like a major impact, like it's ruining your life, then it's not a big deal. But gaming can still be holding you back from realizing your potential or it can just actually honestly not be a great investment of time in what you actually get back from it, right? Like, yeah, it's entertaining and it kills some time, but when you value being more productive or you value, you know, being able to accomplish or create or, you know, truly realize your potential, gaming and that sort of, like, cheap entertainment just doesn't satisfy you anymore in the same way. And I know for you, Phil, gaming was kind of holding you back from realizing your potential. And and something that, that you mentioned from Tony Robbins was being able to live an outstanding life. And so when was the shift for you from I'm gaming, I'm kind of trying to use all my talents to figure out how I can gain more to, oh shit, I want to live an outstanding life and, and I'm going to start working on that. A big shift for me really came, I think, too late because like you said, it was robbing me from a lot of potential. I mean, being able to look back at my life and realizing the untapped potential and, and I could have achieved quote unquote greatness, you know, much earlier in my life. Um, but the big shift came for me when I became a parent. Um, when I became a parent, all of I, I had realized that there were other things outside of gaming that were important. Um, I had a little child, a baby that couldn't, you know, take care of itself, and um, and so that actually drew like physical energy I needed to take time to actually pay attention to that child's needs I needed to pay attention to feeding it to making sure I was making money in order to keep a roof over our heads and uh, you know heat the heat on because you know we're in Canada and it gets super cold in the winter time so being able to afford to pay the bills and and that kind of thing kind of kind of awoken me from the fact that you know it was almost like a manifestation of what I wasn't doing and spending time on. Like, I don't know if, if any of you who are listening has been too much exposed to the business world, but a lot of people say that a business is kind of like a marriage or a business is my baby. And it's because it takes a lot of nourishment. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of creativity. It takes a lot of uh, willpower and uh, thought to invest in a business to help it to grow and that's exactly what it's like raising a child you have to put a lot of creativity you have to put a lot of uh, nourishment 
you have to feed it, you have to you have to study, you have to learn about being a good parent, you have to um you know, just like a business, especially in the early stages, you have to spend a lot of time, a lot of uh, late nights taking care of this child um, as it grows and as it matures. And so that's kind of what woke me to that. Um, I started spending more time with my family. I started spending more time with my kids. I started realizing that I had uh, relationships outside of just myself in my basement playing my PS3 that needed to be nourished. Um, and these things were healthy for me. And as I started to do that, I started to make uh, a lot better decisions for myself, um, for my career, for my business. Um, I started taking care of myself and my business more. Um, and I went from someone who is, you know, earning, say, 40000 a year to now spending more than that a month on salaries um, and generating more income like than I've ever have in my past because I was able to kind of unlock that part of myself because I wasn't spending it in time that wasn't giving me a good ROI. It's not that I don't enjoy games. Like I think games are great. I think they can, in, in the right doses, um, can unlock some creative energies. And like you and I had talked about it before that there are some aspects of gaming because of, you know, the the thinking and the creativity that involved in, sol in solving challenges in a game. Um, a lot of that stuff can be applied outside in the outside world. Um, but it's a matter of perspective and a matter of containment and boundaries around what you spend your time on and how much you game and that kind of thing. Exactly. And I really want to dive into that in a second because obviously you're very good at identifying patterns. So you, you identify the similarity between building a business and raising a child. And you've also, I know, realized some different patterns of how you got really good at games and then began to apply that into other areas. Uh, so let's dive into that in a second. First, quickly, I'm just wondering, did you quit cold turkey or did you kind of limit and then you just got too busy and you just didn't have time anymore? Like, what was that transition like? Um, it was, I, I limited myself. Um, I started doing more like, you know, okay, I'll only game during these set hours, maybe two or three nights a week. Um, and that's kind of where I started. Like when my, my firstborn daughter was just a baby. Um, I, that's where I was at. So I did three nights a week, I think it was, and it was two to three hours. So I was still spending like six hours a week gaming. And then as kind of my responsibilities grew, I started to, you know, cut one night out a week. And eventually I got to one night a week where I would spend two hours gaming. Um, and then after that, um, I just, I, throughout that whole process, I started reprioritizing my time. So I could spend two hours gaming or I could spend two hours in product development. And if I spend two hours in product development, then that might increase my revenue, which means I could take my family out to like Disneyland or like we're going on a trip to Hawaii in a couple of weeks. So I can take them on that. Whereas if I spent my time gaming instead, I can't do those things. I'm not growing 
my business. So it was kind of a gradual approach, but uh, I started reprioritizing my time and then, and then eventually got to the point where now I'm like, I feel like I'm too busy to game. That's how I feel too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I just, I mean, I could, but I just don't have time. And for me, if I want to relax, I'd rather go surfing or go hang out with friends or go to the movies or, or just do something else that personally, I just feel better doing that than, you know, how I feel like a zombie after I game. Uh, but it's been so long now that I just see no reason to even risk it. But what I want people to know this is like, there isn't one specific way. It, it's find what works for you. So for Phil, limiting and reprioritizing his time worked for him. And for someone else, going cold turkey, right? That's what worked really well for me and usually works for me and how I do things. You know, but find what works for you. And part of that's just being honest. You know, there are some of you listening to this right now who are probably trying to moderate and probably failing at it. And it's up to you to notice that it's not working. You know, whereas someone else might be limiting and it's going really great and you know, great, continue with that. Just find what works for you. That's the most important thing. And, and it's all about what your own personal relationship is to gaming, uh, whatever that is. So how did you get good at games? What were the kind of some of the specific strategies that you used to get better at games? And, and how did you apply those into like improving your business, improving your family life and just improving your life in general? Oh, really good question. Now, before I, I get into that, I do want to respond to the last thing that you just said. And Another thing that I actually did, which I found super helpful, was shift the types of games that I played. So moving more away from kind of the open-ended, open-world games that kind of like go on and on um, to more like level-based stuff. So something that had a, a definite end to a mission. And then when it goes back to the menu screen, I'm more likely to be like, okay, I'm going to turn that off now versus if it's something that you just kind of uh, explore, like if it's World of Warcraft or um, like uh, Elder Scrolls or something like that, where it just seems like to go on and on and on. Um, it's so easy to lose so many hours of time playing something like that. But if you switch it to something like, all right, I'm going to play like Mario Brothers for a moment and it's a two minute game. And you limit yourself to saying like, oh, I'm just going to play, you know, three levels or maybe just one level at a time or something like that. I found that helped. I know it won't help for everybody because it's just easy to just keep going on some of that stuff too. like, oh, just one more level. Oh, just one more level. But um, that might be a strategy that might help for some people. Yeah, we've definitely seen that before where switching games can definitely help. Uh, for some people and that's that's the the big asterisk is for some people and so you know experiment with it and if that works for you awesome and if it doesn't be honest about it and refocus and that's what this whole process is all about <laughs> and if that doesn't work get one of those timers that shuts off the power on your outlet <laughs> and then it'll just cut the tv off. i don't even have internet at my house right now and i haven't had it since april I think April until now, and, and I have no plans to get it until August, the earliest. And I don't know, it's been kind of interesting, uh, but I definitely couldn't be gaming. And I definitely have been online a lot less. And so it's been interesting. It's also incredibly inconvenient when you go to Google something quick, you're like, what's the name of that thing or what's that recipe? 
and then you have no access to it and you're like fuck like super annoying but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah experiment find what works for you cool so to get back in there your last question like how did I get it good at gaming um, that's a good question I mean I, I kind of alluded to some of it in the past like you know Nintendo power back when Nintendo was a really big thing and I was playing like Final Fantasy Super Mario Brothers 1 through 3 and like all those types of things I read a lot about it I read about where are the maps where are the the hidden gems where are uh, the secrets um, and just a lot of practice so going through the levels checking every nook and cranny um, testing things out I mean, I wasn't afraid to play a level 20 times and figure out the best way to go about it. Um, if it took me 20 times to beat a level, I've, I had the patience to do that. And, um, and so I think that a lot of those same skills kind of apply to business because the only way that you're really going to get ahead, whether it's, it's in business or if you're trying to find a new job or even just other things like dating, finance, uh, wealth management, um, health and fitness, it's learning about it. So just like I read Nintendo Power, now instead of Nintendo Power and like GamePro and like all those types of websites and magazines and tutorials, now I'm reading business magazines and business books and business tutorials and watching YouTube videos on conversion rates and how to get new YouTube subscribers. So it's just a shift of focus. So instead of reading about games, I'm reading about that. Um, same thing with, with the practice. So if I want to get good at beating Super Mario, I play it over and over and over and over and over again. If I want to get good at YouTube, I can't expect to just throw up a video and be good at it. I've got to practice. I got to do it over and over and over and over again. Same thing with podcasts, same thing with uh, creating sales letters or sales copy or building funnels. I learn from each time that I do it. And um, it's the same thing like if you're going for job interviews, practice. Um, Even if that means like getting a buddy or practicing in front of a mirror and just testing out different things, testing out different strategies. How do you feel about your confidence level when you're talking about uh, yourself in this way? How do you feel about your confidence level when you're talking about yourself in this other way? Um, Just a lot of practice. I have a video on YouTube called, what if gaming is the only thing that you're good at? And it goes through a list of different ways, similar to what Phil just said, about different ways that you approach gaming or that are common amongst all of us in how we approach gaming and how you can then apply that into your real life, into anything else, right? And, and I think it's such a crucial point that Phil brings up, which is it's all about just how you channel it. And with gaming, it's interesting because we are willing to watch videos. We'll read all the books. We'll interact with all the other people. We'll hire coaches even. I remember I hired a coach for Counter-Strike 1.6 at one point. And You'll review your games. You'll do all these different things. You'll play consistently. You'll play to try to improve. You'll make mistakes and learn from them and, you know, fail forward. You'll do all these different things in gaming, but then you apply for one job, don't get it, and you're like, ah, I'm fucking defeated. You know, you go talk to one girl or one guy. It doesn't go super well, and you're like, ah, never doing that again. And you don't apply the same system. It's really a system. In, in just skill development, right? So 
here's the thing. Anyone listening to this right now, if you're someone who's struggling with a gaming addiction, you are also very likely an incredibly talented gamer. There's Gaming addicts are, are people who have gamed a ton of time and very strategically, and, and you've probably made it very high in the games that you play. You're naturally more gifted, very intelligent, so you figure things out. It's just reprioritizing and shifting that energy and that system and that strategy into just anything else that you want to do, whether it's business, a relationship, travel, different career opportunities, social circle, whatever it is. It's just taking that same approach into any of those other things and you'll find a lot of success. The, the recipe for success is just do what works. And there's a lot of research and, and uh, ways you can get that information, especially when you have the internet, right? So just taking that same system and, and applying it. Um, Phil, there's one thing that about your story that I think is valuable for people. And it's that you have this perspective on, on your free time and using your free time and investing in that wisely to help you get towards where you want to be. And so how do you think about your free time? Obviously, you're a family man, so you have certain responsibilities and obligations, and you know that has to be very flexible, and, and you have to move around. But how do you think about your free time and investing it in really helping you get to where you're trying to go? Yeah, well, um, I see it as being... So there's, there's a couple of different degrees of free time. So... Um, I see it as being either something that serves me or something that rejuvenates me. So if it's rejuvenating, it should be just complete leisure. And I'm not afraid to be like, you know what? Tonight, that's a game. Because it's, it's something that relaxes me. Um, but in order to really get there, I read this really great book called Less Doing More Living. And it was really interesting because building a business i felt that there was a lot of people that were saying like oh you gotta limit you know how much time you're on facebook oh you gotta limit how much time uh you're on youtube oh you gotta limit how much time you're playing games you're watching movies you're you're doing whatever and i'm like that's i get it but it doesn't sound like a ton of fun <laughs> in a sense um so this this book, Less Doing More Living, kind of reframed that where he started talking about how about you do things smarter so that you can free up more time. And I guess this is in, in essence what I was doing in the past, but how do you do things smarter so that you can free up more time so that you don't have to feel guilty about doing these things and doing them in moderation so that they're not robbing you of other things. So... In this case, if I'm doing really well in my business, um, if I'm feeling really good at where I'm at, the time that I'm investing into it, all that kind of stuff, there are times where you need to take a break, you need to relax, you need to rejuvenate. Um, Evan, who I think I mentioned maybe earlier, Evan Pagan, um, he talks about three time zones. Uh, your re-time, your tea time, and then the gray zone. So the gray zone is where most people are in danger, and that's because they're doing things that are robbing them from both re and tea time. So it's not providing a return on investment. It's robbing them from doing uh, things that rejuvenate them. So if you're playing a game, but you're staying up until four or five o'clock in the morning, that's probably not healthy for you. And it's stealing from time 
for you to be sleeping. And sleeping, the more sleep you get, the more creative juices uh, come back into your brain, the more willpower you have, the better you can um, you know, recover from things, um, whether it's addictions or even just sleep, uh, sleep deprivation. Um, so that's kind of the gray zone is whatever it is that's robbing from both talent and retime. So tea time is your talent zone. And that's when you're in kind of the flow and working on things that are super effective, you're super productive, you're efficient, you're uh, getting results, all that kind of stuff. Now that also burns creative juices. So you need what's called your retime. And that's the time that you spend uh, rejuvenating, relaxing, uh, recuperating, re-energizing. Um, so that could be, it, it looks different for different people because different people are wired differently. They have um, different things that relax them. And I, there's a whole science that I've been studying based on personality types on like what kind of things rejuvenate people more. Um, but, you know, for my wife, for example, it's like massage, um, a bath, like those kinds of things, reading. For me, I like to tinker. I like to do things where I'm kind of learning, but almost doing it in kind of like a mindless way. So it could be physical. It could be, you know, working in the shop, building things. Um, back when I was playing airsoft, I used to just like tinker with my airsoft guns and stuff like that, like try out different configurations. Or it could be gaming, because then gaming, in a sense, for me, is tinkering. Um, I get to go in to go place, explore, try out different tactics. I used to play a lot of like Call of Duty and a lot of um, like team-based cooperative um, shooters. So testing out different uh, military tactics and things like that was kind of, it may sound weird, but it was rejuvenating for me. <laughs> it makes sense. I love surfing. I love what I've been watching movies lately. Um, ping pong here at WeWork is a, is a really good way for, for me to relax. Uh, I love massages too. I went for one last night. It was, it was great. Yoga. It's mixing it up, trying to find a bunch of variety there as well. Um, you know, but surfing is, even though it's super active, it's the most relaxing thing that I can do because it's, it's an opportunity where I find that flow state. And when I find flow, my mind goes into a, a place that you know, it don't, it can only focus on the extreme present moment and being able to switch from that. Uh, when you come out of the water, you're like, oh yeah, like there's this world that exists that I was not just in because I was completely absorbed in, in my experience. And that's really nice for at least my brain, especially when, you know, I do, my brain is like, on all the time like the second i wake up i'm like boom on you know i i stay on until i literally close my eyes and go to sleep and so having that break is so important for me to be able to recharge um you know and so you have to find what works for you and, and you have to experiment a little bit i'm i imagine you know for you to to identify some of those different things that helped you you know it, it took you experimenting and paying attention to how you feel after you do different activities and you know, oh, I played ping pong and I feel really good. I feel really focused now. Okay, let's do more of that. Whereas for me, maybe sitting down and meditating just doesn't work as well for me because I need I need a bit of like activity. I need some active movement uh, for me to recharge. So find what works for you. What's super cool about that is that once you find that activity that helps you recharge, it helps unlock creative juices in your brains and you start thinking about things that 
could only come when you're in that kind of recharge state or that white space state where you've given your, your brain a break. So just like you, you know, like I might be out snowboarding and all of a sudden I've got like this huge inspiration of something that I want to do. I know if, the other one for me that works really well is uh, YouTube. I go on YouTube and I watch um, some of my favorite YouTubers like Peter McKinnon and Casey Neistat and um, like Sean Candle and like some of these guys who are just creating like creative or, you know, tech based YouTube videos. And I'm, it's, it's intellectual, but at the same point, very relaxing for me. And then I get a lot of inspiration and motivation uh, from these guys watching the videos. And I know that you just launched the YouTube channel. And where did the inspiration for that come from? Casey Neistat. <laughs> Like I said, you know, it's it's kind of like if you want to do something, then study it and like redirect that energy from from gaming. So like I really liked how you put it. It's like, you know, we spend so much time conquering quests or uh, beating missions or, you know, um, beating scores in games that we have. I, I think we're one of the best positioned to go in and build a business really, or, or really conquer any challenge because we've got a lot of grit, a lot of determination, and uh, especially those who, you know, stats, their character stats or their performance stats on a game is important to them. You can move that into metrics, like metrics becomes your new points. So, how many leads did I get this month? How many sales did I get? How many um, calls did I make? How many employers did I contact? Um, it's a great way to transition into that. I know I kind of went off a tangent, but it's good. Let's go. Let's go down this path. <laughs> and that that's kind of what led me into to launching my YouTube channel. Is that I've been watching these guys, been studying these guys for a long time, um, and I got a lot of inspiration to do YouTube. And so I did the same thing. I, I studied, I, I watched a lot of free content. I bought a course on search engine ranking and with YouTube videos. Uh, I watched a ton of videos of like lighting setups and mics and cameras and like all the gear that you need to shoot YouTube videos. I put it all together and I just started cranking out videos, just one after the other and setting up uh, a time to do it. So I launch a video every Thursday, or at least I try to, um, and just keeping track of the metrics, like how many people are subscribing, how many people are, are watching. And it almost becomes a new game for me in the sense that um, now I've got a different score that I'm shooting for. Like, how much watch time do I have? Uh, how much people subscribe based on each video that I launch? How can I uh, hit the next kind of score milestone in my subscriber count? And it just becomes like a whole new game. Like there's, it's different metrics now. So if someone wanted to start their own business, you are someone who, you know, has been able to do that fairly successfully. You know, it, it's been a grind. I, I know there's, there's always ups and downs, just like it is for me. This is year nine of entrepreneurship for me, right? So it's not like this is my first day. I've been around for a long time and 
I I say nine years of 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 effort because if I thought that I would be where I am today after nine years, I don't know if that would have inspired me or or made me just say fuck it because uh, it's it's been it's been a long journey, but it's also incredibly rewarding and I wouldn't change it for the world and and I highly encourage everyone listening to this to to start developing that side of yourself because whether it becomes a thing that you do full-time or not it's just a way of looking at the world where you're looking for opportunity and you're looking for a way to contribute and bring value to people and be compensated for that and that just creates different opportunities for you whether it's passive income or you know a bit of extra side money or the opportunity where you have time freedom and you can be your own boss and choose when you work and you know, employ other people, create jobs and help the economy or whatever your personal values are. But I just think creating options in your life is a great strategy for success. So for people out there listening to this who are thinking about starting their own business, where would you kind of recommend for them to start and you know, maybe a couple of resources that, that you think are, are good for their foundation? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's find a mentor, really. Um, find the people that you want to be like and start learning how they got to where they got to. Um, so whether, you know, if you want to be the next Steve Jobs, then read his autobiography. If you want to be like Elon Musk, read his autobiography. If they don't have an autobiography, then just follow them because chances are, if you know about them, they're an influencer somewhere, they're producing content somewhere, or if they're not producing content, they're probably getting written about somewhere. Um, so just follow them, um, reach out to them, try to find someone who knows um, at least one or two steps further than you to help you along the way. Um, but a big part of it is figuring out who you wanna be, who you wanna be like. You don't have to be a copy of them because you've got individual uh, unique traits and skills that only you bring to the world. So your journey is going to be different than theirs, but it gives you a really great starting point of, you know, where, where do I want to, what direction do I want to go? Um, but then also uh, reach out to people who can guide you along the way. And then in that, you'll also find what matters most to you. And then you can start learning more about that. So I've, I've been like you, I've been an entrepreneur for a very long time. Um, it's taken to me through a lot of different mentors throughout different stages of my entrepreneurial journey. Um, I've read a lot of books about entrepreneurism and what it's like to be an entrepreneur. Um, and so I, I say, you know, jump in, expose yourself to it. Um, find an influencer that you want to learn from and kind of understand their world and what it's like to be in their world um, and then read some good books. Like That's a great place to start. Eventually, you'll probably want to start taking courses to dive deeper into it, but I think books are a really great place to start. Or, you know, if you're not someone who's keen on reading, then audiobooks are a really great place to start. And if you're not really keen on audiobooks either, then YouTube videos, because I know everybody uh, learns differently. So there's always something that you can learn in some medium, in some way. Um, one of my favorite books, which is a good kind of 
even at my stage, it's one of my favorite books, but I also think it's a really great for a beginner. It's called Predictable Success by uh, Les McKeown. And he gives a really great picture of what a business looks like. So um, he's, he's really honest about starting a business because a lot of people think they start from zero and they kind of go up from there. Um, he's really honest about that you're going to lose a lot. Just like in gaming, like once you pick up a game for the first time, you're probably going to like die <laughs> on a level several times before you get the swing of like the learning curve that it takes to build a business or the learning curve that it takes to beat a level. Um, he's really honest about that and how, you know, whatever you think it's going to cost to build a business, triple that. And, you know, there's a lot of really great resources. But then he talks about the whole life cycle of the business. Um, so it's really great to familiarize yourself with the different stages of a business. And so that's probably one of the books that I would recommend first. Um, but there's also another book that I really recommend called The One Thing. And The One Thing is all about focus and how um, by doing the right actions in the right order. Disclaimer, I don't want to say that you have to get everything perfect because as an entrepreneur, it's all about moving forward and failing forward. So making mistakes and learning from them. But in this book, he talks about if you can kind of order the right things in the right order, then you can start to build momentum. So if you have a domino, say, that's two inches high, you can knock one over that's three inches high. And so aligning those things that helps you build momentum, um, the, the basic gist of the book can be summed up in one sentence where he says, um, what's the one thing that if I did that right now, it would make everything else either easier or unnecessary. So it helps you prioritize. And that that's also key when it comes to learning. Like, what's the one thing that I should be doing right now? What's, whether it's trying to build a business, whether it's trying to uh, quit gaming, <coughs> whether it's uh, trying to, you know, date or um, hit some health goals, things like that. I've read that book. It's, it's a great book for sure, and, and focus is so important. I can't recommend focus enough and improving your focus. I feel like I still have a ways to go in, in truly unlocking what focus really looks like in my life, but it's one day at a time and, and just trying to improve day by day by day by day and counting on the slight edge giving you you know, compounding returns over the long term, which is really where you'll see your gains. So we're going to wrap up here quick. But one last question, you're a father. And gaming used to be this thing in your life that wasn't necessarily supporting you or serving you to your highest potential. How do you think about technology and electronics with your kids? And, and how do you see that unfolding as you go forward? Um, a mixed bag. <laughs> <laughs> I best. Um, I'm actually, you know, to be honest, I'm actually really looking forward to sharing games with my kids. Um, I've I've played some Crossy Roads with my kids <laughs> on our Apple TV, um, and I think I think it can teach them some really valuable skills about determination, about um, not giving up, and I think that that's one of the most valuable skills that I want my kids to take away from gaming, and also about metrics. 
because I think that's a very translatable skill, especially when it comes to business. Um, but anything really, whether you're tracking metrics for like trying to build a good, healthy body weight or whatnot, it all it all comes down to stats, really. Um, but I think there's a really cool opportunity for kids to game and learn. Uh, we do every second night we play uh, these endless brand of games like uh, endless alphabet endless numbers endless reader that helps i've seen like positive growth in them they've they've excelled faster in their in their math they've excelled faster in their reading and so there i think there's a time and a place but at the same point we're trying to build really great habits and so we limit it into a certain uh, time period or certain days of the week so that they can spend more time doing and exploring other things out in the world like gymnastics, uh, dance, uh, karate, um, you know, whatever it happens to be interesting to them at the time. Really cool. Where can people find you and connect with you? Yeah, so you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Phil McNevin. And the link will hopefully be in the yeah, show notes because we'll I know it can be a little... <laughs> <laughs> we'll have some show notes and you have a YouTube channel. I do. Um, if you go to probably the easiest way to get to it is go to liftmedia.co forward slash YouTube. Um, that'll take you to my business channel where you can see a lot of the stuff that we're working on. And that's mostly influencer interviews and marketing related stuff. I am launching more of a personal brand. Um, it hasn't launched yet, but um, if you follow us on that YouTube channel, then I'm sure we'll make an announcement or you'll you'll get links to that through there. Awesome. And yeah, all those links will be in the show notes. So you can go to gamequiz.com, click on podcast, and you can find all that information there. Phil, this has been a blast. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Make sure you guys subscribe, hit like, uh, leave us a review on iTunes, tell your friends, tell all the people, email me if you have any questions or comments, cam at gamequiz.com, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. For full-length episodes of the Game Quitters podcast, be sure to check us out on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash gamequitters. Or visit us online at www.gamequitters.com.